It's Tuesday, October 23rd, 2018, and you're listening to episode 498 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 53 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. And my name is Jeff. All right, so Fear the Boot is now available on iHeartRadio. What is that? Is that I, like a Spotify-type, Pandora? Yeah, except it's specifically, and this is where it gets weird. So iHeartRadio is an app and a website. And I legitimately don't know what this is. I'm not just trying to like pimp up this thing. No, no, and that's fair. You so, have at least heard of it, haven't you? you no, know, yeah, I've heard of it. Okay. I just haven't used it. And Yeah, so it's, okay, it's an app and a website that's meant for doing radio tuning, mostly for picking up local radio stations. Hmm. But for some weird reason, they got into podcasts. And when we got into podcasting back in the ancient days, in the hustatious period, (laughs) the big 800-pound gorilla was iTunes. And that's apparently not nearly as much the case as it once was. And somewhere in there, iHeartRadio became one of the primary stops people go Hmm. to to find podcasts. It's a really long application process. But they did just approve us. So both Fear the Boots main show, so what you're listening to now, and also the actual play are available on iHeartRadio. So I will link that in the show notes. If that's how you want to consume podcasts, we are now over there, too. (laughs) So, Dan, something we never do that I want to kind of point out, a lot of times on these types of apps, how you get attention is reviews and the number of reviews make you show up as a higher relevance in searches. I don't know if iHeartRadio has reviews, but we never point that out or ask anybody, go review, whether good or bad, just mm-hmm. review, because that actually helps bring people in. Yeah, so I mean, if you want to give us a review on wherever it is you pick us up, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, or whatever it's called, Google Music, I forget what it's called, iHeartRadio, wherever, hey, we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I mean, what else? We don't do this for the <laughs> reviews, but... If you just happen to be over there and want to drop us a rating, then yeah, it does help us out a little, but yeah. So anyway, all right, let's talk tabletop games. So what? Not Transformers and (laughs) 1980s shows? No, it's an actual role-playing game. We can talk about that. Believe me, I know you two can talk about Transformers. (laughs) To this day, I'm still upset that somebody stole my Zartan toy. Pissed that somebody stole my Zardox toy. There are like five people chuckling at that joke right now out of the thousands that listen to us. Yeah, and Wayne and I aren't two of them. That's right. We want to talk about making it right. All right. Now, Chad, you want to set this one up? Yeah, it was something that happened actually several times over this campaign that I'm running on Sundays. But but it happened uh, yesterday. It happened on Sunday as well. It's it's like when the game master messes something up. And I don't mean necessarily rules. It could be rules. But the game master makes an error in an important concept that kind of changes how things are. And we have on this show talked a lot about how game masters can patch that over, make it okay, retcon it, not retcon it, you know, all the different tactics and stuff that go into it. But I don't think we've ever talked about what do the players do when that happens? What should they do? And one of the things they absolutely should do is throw a temper tantrum. Oh, absolutely. Just flip the table over and start shouting. Throw a temper tantrum. Throw a knife. That's right. The only thing better than passive aggressive is aggressive aggressive. aggressive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The real deal. Okay. This is the the whole milk of aggression. You know what I always say? Don't kill characters, kill players. That's right. <laughs> the characters won't give you any more problems with the player's debt. So Truth. as an example here, in your guys' D&D game, there's some characters that have been speaking draconic. Yes. yes. And what they've been saying, you have been hiding from the player characters yes. as it's mumbo jumbo they don't understand, except... Cause, yeah, because the concept is, you know, it's like I explained in that earlier episode, I'm, I'm like kind of, you know, flipping concepts, fancy trope concepts and stuff. But one of the things is that there aren't dragons anymore. I mean, this is like even the barest of bear fairy tales. It's it's not even anybody. There's no dragon heads on anyone's walls. There's no dragon scale shields. There's no, you know, they're all lost and we know we hunted them. It's more like, yeah, this is what you tell little kids because it's fun sort of thing. 
And in like the barest sort of deep academic circles, there is apparently to not my knowledge because I'm the game master. I should have known this, but draconic is a language that you can take fine. Great. In this setting. Yeah. Maybe they shouldn't have, but they didn't know that. And I didn't know that, you know, they, they should have taken it. The whole point of this sort of me going around and around and around a circle here, Wayne's character had draconic on his character sheet. He took it as a language. He is somebody that is studying magic mm-hmm. under a very powerful mage. Right. That that's where he learned it from. It's not something that everyone knows. It's yeah. I mean, it's like it's not even Latin. I mean, it's deader than dead Latin. I mean, it's it's like some language that nobody's ever heard of before, sort of thing. And only a handful of people speak it. That's kind of how we were, you know, spinning it. So I have a dragon character, and she's turned into a human, and she's kind of trapped in her body, in this human body. She can't like flip over to be a dragon for all sorts of plot reasons and such. And she is a thousand years old, but she was frozen in time, so no, nothing is like changed for her, and. A thousand years ago, they didn't speak common or whatever this language is that everyone's speaking now. And she can speak several languages. None of the languages are like live and anything that the characters speak. And so there were several games in a row, like many, many, many games where this is kind of a plot point. She is this NPC with them. She knows all kind of stuff. They have a really difficult time communicating with her, but they are off doing things and she's kind of tagging along for reasons. And Wayne's character can speak her language. And I asked him, and it's not his fault. I, I thought I asked him a couple of times whether his character can speak Draconic. Obviously can. He looked yep. at his character sheet. It's right written yeah. right on there. When we first meet the character and she's speaking language we don't know, I go through all of mine. Draconic, or mm-hmm. Goblinoid. And, yeah, yeah. There I have like three or four languages. I go through all of them. But I guess something didn't click. Yeah, it just whoop, went right over my head. Did not catch it at all and and this happened maybe a couple of times so through this campaign this whole plot point thing has been going on for several sessions and then i don't even how did it get revealed it once we knew she was a dragon oh yeah that's right yeah once the the big plot bomb dropped and that you knew she was a dragon and all this sort of stuff wayne piped up and was like but how come i couldn't understand her i can speak draconic i actually asked her in character the question of yeah but you didn't answer any of my draconic. <laughs> and that's when I was like, uh, what? <laughs> because at that point, I didn't realize that that had been something you'd overlooked. Yeah. I thought that was another plot point in the mystery. Yeah. And mm-hmm. let's put a big caveat here, which is we are presupposing the game master is not cheating, is not malicious, is not willfully negligent. This isn't the game master misbehaving. Yeah. This is just an issue of the game master has a lot to keep track of. You as a player have one character sheet. They have literally the entire rest of the world, plus arguably your character sheet to keep mm. track of. And so they just make an honest mistake. But this mistake screws you out of some big portion of the plot. The entire game would have been different. Or, yeah, this is success in combat. It costs you your survival. It costs the player character something big. But once again, it was not intentional. Mm -hmm. One of the big ones that I see happen a lot is around senses. Mm -hmm. So you have a character that has dark vision, like a whole troop of gnolls. They're marching with torches. Why are they marching with torches? Right. Because I said they were marching with torches. Yeah. Because it looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just go with that. There was a online game I played in where one of the characters is blind. Mm-hmm. He's from underwater. He has kind of like daredevil senses. And after a, like a whole first campaign of that just being forgotten, mm-hmm. something magically happens to give him his eyesight. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure the GM did it because he was tired of forgetting and saying, you know, well, there's a blue. Yeah. Damn it, you don't see color. <laughs> yeah, and I had that too with the with the language thing in a different way in last Sunday's game. They encountered these drow who don't speak common. They don't speak whatever this ancient version of Elvish that the drow are speaking, and they are trying to take out this drow loth priestess woman, and. She casts dark, and then Wayne is doing things to kind of turn the dark off, and then she's turning it on. And so it was like this big, crazy, like, sort of flashing thing. It was a rave. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And a bunch of Japanese kids rolling around on the floor. And then, so they, they're out, it's in a cave. These guys are outside the cave. And then one of my other, the sorceress, one of my other players, is like, I tell them, everybody go to the left because she's going to cast a big bomb spell to the right, which. 
I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm running the character, run the scene, run the scene, run the scene. She says that out loud in character, and I'm like, all right, it's my turn. My character turns to the left and, you know, does that because you told him to do that. And they're like, how did she understand us? But they didn't, like, call me out yeah, on it. No, once again, it's me assuming that it's a plot point. Right. It's this like, big plot. Oh, my God. We found one that they, speaks common. Oh, crap. This changes everything. I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> Can we say you just pointed? And then she saw yeah. that? Because language is a big part of this game. And yes, the lack is. of being able to speak the common language. So when something like that happens, generally, my first thought is, okay, that's a plot point. Right. And usually it's not. (laughs) Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. But yeah, as a game master, what I did is I stopped everything real shortly. I, you know, it didn't take long. I just was like, oh, we we found one that can speak. I'm like, whoa, whoa, stop. Wait, my mistake. I forgot she couldn't speak your guy's language. She didn't understand that. Can we say that you were pointing to that direction and she saw you? And they were like, oh, yeah, that's fine. No no problem. And I think what do the players do well two bits of advice for the game master real quick just we'll handle briefly because i think we've talked about this in past episodes but one is the game masters do have the option to retcon which is in your case you said oh hey you guys just pointed uh why did i not understand her for eight games straight (laughs) you could throw something out there of well maybe it's dialectical well and that's that's what we did was i stopped i choked for a moment i'm like oh crap He's right. And I don't remember how the exact conversation went, but they said something along the lines of that was draconic. You were speaking, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a part of one of the Austin power movies where they're trying to hide what they're saying, Mm -hmm. but they only speak English. It says quick, let's switch to speaking British. And they (laughs) use these thick British accents and nothing but British slang. And, (laughs) As an American, you could not understand a damn word they were saying. Right. They actually subtitled it <laughs> at the bottom of the screen in like regular English because you could not follow a damn word they were saying. So you could go dialectical or whatever. You boys, you can mm-hmm. retcon this somehow. The second thing I would say is as a game master, be prepared to own your mistake. Yeah, It's not an issue of blame. It's not an issue of whatever. But the players need to maintain a sense of fairness in the game. And that could be you coming up with an explanation or even you just look at it and say, look, I screwed up. I'm sorry. What can we do to make this right? How can mm-hmm. we explain this? If I, Especially if you screwed them out of something big. Mm-hmm. There's a major shift in the plot. Somebody died, whatever. This draconic thing, the entire game would be different. Yeah. All right. So what do you do as a player? I think first and foremost is I'd say have some sympathy for the GM. Going back to our original point that we're presupposing this wasn't malice or willful negligence. No, I hate Wayne a well, lot. <laughs> that's fine, and that's that's a different show. But let's assume that's not the case. Let's just pretend we're in a world where you don't hate Wayne. Oh, okay. Anyone that's ever run a game knows you make mistakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You definitely, if you're a player that also GMs, this becomes a lot easier to deal with because you've all been there. I made a huge mistake in our Sunday game that... I don't know if you guys caught it or not. Ever since I made it a month or two ago, I have been beating myself up over it. Hmm. And I don't even know if you guys caught it or not. And it, it was awful. Awful. <laughs> but you, now you have to confess. Yeah. <sighs> okay, so there was a big... Go back to that episode where I'm talking about this game and what I'm doing and the themes and all that sort of stuff. You'll, I, I won't go to a big, long gaming story here, but basically there were goblins and goblins were always there, always real, always this sort of thing. But actually, they weren't. Because a thousand years ago, this mad guy, we'll say, used this magic for reasons to fuse dwarves and drow together to essentially turn them into a not-a-problem so that he can expand his evil empire and not have to worry about his northern border. And also, there were other reasons, too, that he was doing things to do stuff to get power. Out of that, they were doing something. This keeping them alive forever, basically. So the king of the land, because they killed the mad guy, the king of the land is a bard, 20th level bard. Their parents are the rulers of this land. And this 20th land, and the whole thing of it is their parents are a high-level adventuring party. That's kind of how I'm playing it. Mm-hmm. So they have a bard who isn't the parent of it. Well, actually, he's a parent of a lot of people. He's kind of a, you know, <laughs> one of those guys. But none of the, he's not a parent of any of them. And 
he's an illusionist. And so he pretends to be a human king. He makes himself appear to be a human king. He runs everything, but he hates it. He's bored. So the children of his friends whom he loves very much and whom he is the crazy uncle, they are old enough. And now they're going off on their first sort of adventure into danger. Well, he wants to keep an eye on them. Also, he kind of wants to join them because he's really bored and he wants to relive the old days. And they have to go deal with these goblins. Nobody knows the goblins and the drow and the dwarves and any of that stuff. They just know that the goblins are there and they're just delivering a payment. So what he does is he transforms himself into a goblin. And then he kind of like harasses the group off and on as like this sort of comedic foil. And at the same time, kind of watches over them and and helps him out where he can. And he actually also conveniently disappears and slips away so he doesn't steal their glory. It's their story. And, you know, he's kind of just helping him from the shadows sort of thing. So the big reveal, of course, is that goblins aren't real. They're, they're dwarves and drow, magically fused together, all this sort of stuff. And the big reveal for him is this happens... Characters are dealing with this like holy shit moment, and he walks up as a goblin, not knowing what happened. It's like, hey guys, what's going on? And they're like, what? Why are you not doing the thing where you split magically and all that? And he's like, what? Not ten minutes before that, the character's name is Zit, the goblin, mm-hmm. and it is Oz, who is the king bard. And I said, Oz walks up to them. <laughs> Before the reveal, 10 minutes before the reveal, and they're like, Oz is here? And I'm like, oh, no, sorry, no, Oz isn't here. He, it's just, I, we did this other thing, and I've got Oz on the mind. No, it's totally Zip. Totally Zip. <laughs> and I was just like, I gave it away. I gave it away. Oh, no. We just thought you gave the wrong name. Oh, thank God. I was just saying, yeah, you, <laughs> you give the wrong names frequently. Yeah, so that's... you struggle so much with proper nouns that I wouldn't think anything yeah. of it either. If Dan would have done it, I might have had some thought, but mm-hmm. Dan's right. We just take it for granted that sometimes you're going to say the wrong name, and right. we don't think anything of it. But it was 10 minutes. It was just yeah. like 10 minutes, and everybody, and I'm sitting here, oh, oh God, they know. I totally ruined the suspense of it. They know. Oh, damn it. Nope. So, Thank God. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. We just thought you said the wrong name. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing of it, too, was that I didn't say the wrong name. I said his right name because I knew the secret. I just flubbed the secret. <sighs> what I think is kind of funny is that when it comes to rule stuff, sometimes mm-hmm. you'll miss something and I'll point it out. Never want to yell at me because it's uh, <laughs> it's something that actually hurts us potentially. Yeah. Like how poison works. Mm-hmm. So. Wayne, let me ask you, you're the one who got screwed out of eight sessions of communication and plot information. What makes this right? Honestly, I like the way you played it off that it was a dialect thing. Okay. Uh, In my case, IGM. I know know what it would be like to have that moment, and I'm not going to make that more difficult for him. I'm going to look for what's the best way to make the story move forward, Mm -hmm. because that's what I would want if I were in his shoes. So in this case, all right, you're running off more or less pure sympathy and empathy. Yes. That you understand pity. the position. I'll take pity. Yeah. Okay, pity. <laughs> but I, you... I know players that would be furious. Yeah. I have this thing on my sheet. I've been cheated out of this thing I could do. Yeah. And this was a major, major thing. This wasn't one instance. Yeah. Right. But um, I said in my case, I, I've been there. Mm-hmm. I will always do what I can to help the GM. Yeah. Unless they've really pissed me off. <laughs> yeah. And I appreciate it. And I've been there as player. When I'm a player, and I don't know if I do it well or not. I try to like co-GM. I try to like, you know, what this guy's a blast thing. The players and the characters didn't have a cohesive direction. And we did a whole episode about it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, there's plot here and plot there and plot here. And it's just like, we're not going for any of it. And, you know, it's like there's this thing in Chicago and you guys just walked right by. Now, you weren't complaining. You were more just saying this is what the situation is. And you certainly did not ask me to do this, but the very next session, I'm like, all right, how am I going to get these assholes to go to Chicago? And I worked it. Let's say that Wayne, it had bothered you. Let's say he had taken away something that couldn't be hand-waved as easily. Something that actually changed the course of the game or your experience of the game. Do you think it's fair in a situation like that for the player to ask for some kind of compensation? (laughs) 
I was actually thinking that like if it were something about the character that is this is kind of key to the character something mm-hmm. that makes him different and unique I might want to switch that out because yeah. it's better for the story that it didn't happen but I want something to make that special and so unique. So say okay yeah. if you're going to take away eight games of me speaking draconic then I want you to now accept that it's always been Sylvan instead of Draconic or right, something, something like that. that. Actually just trade it out for something else to make it make more sense. And that's totally legit. Completely fair. Yeah, it's, to me it feels so weird, I guess because our groups have never been like that. But, you know, as I roll around in my head, I don't know that I object to that. Let's say it was a Battletech game and on a crap roll that I screw up the modifiers on or something... AC-20 to the head, destroys the mech, all this horrible stuff. But we don't figure it out for three games. We don't figure and it out I've for, made yeah. a new character. Precisely. Yeah. And then you come back and say, okay, because you screwed me out of that one, I want you to give me my favorite mech, even though there's no reason I should no. have it. No. But well, but I'm just saying, yeah. though. I mean, you, it's the principle. Fair, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I'm contemplating, because, I mean, is would that bother me? As either as a GM or a player, I, as a player, I just can't picture myself doing it. From my standpoint, I get why someone would want to go that route. And it isn't wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong. From my perspective, the story is more important. I'm there for the story. Yeah. And so if I, as a player, get screwed, if my character gets screwed, if I get screwed on some plot level, or if I get screwed on some mechanical level, if it made the story fine. Yeah, and I, I would think- say it would be a bit harder to, if it were something like you have a character that is immune to illusion mm-hmm. and Oz has been there all right. of these sessions. Oh, and, don't tell me and then I you did f- that. Don't tell me like elves are immune to illusion no, or something. No, no one's immune to illusions <laughs> that we've got, but it's something like that. Or if somebody made their character around a core concept, mm-hmm. using superheroes as an example, I used when we were in the car, mm-hmm. Cyclops, right. Cyclops has optic blasts. You go through, you get to the one situation Okay, there's a guy up there. He needs to be blasted. Cyclops <laughs> is like, yeah. This is my final. This is my moment. Blast them. Oh, he's immune to light damage. Right. But the blasts that you picked are actually like heat or energy or something sure. else. And you realize afterwards, it built up to my one moment. I had my moment and my moment got stolen. Mm-hmm. I can see that bothering a player a lot. Yeah. Well, as a player, I think also the game master would set a tone for me. What I mean by that is if, for example, I was playing in a game Chad was running and something like that happened. With the eye blast or the language? Uh, any of the above. <laughs> just something happens that screws me out of something. I don't think I would sweat it as much because we could just kind of kick it around and say, hey, mistakes were made. Let's deal with it this way. That happened with Gnarl. Yeah. He, he got killed by some things that weren't entirely rules kosher. We went out to a sports bar and had some drinks, and we figured it out. We came up with a way to and bring him back from the dead. And it made the story better. Right. The the solution we came up with. But, but as a counterpoint to that, if I was to take a GM like John, mm-hmm. where everything, it's above board and it's fair, but it's also very final and very cutthroat. I mean, it's not an adversarial thing where he's not out to it's get a me. Little adversarial. It's a little adversarial. <laughs> but if I botch this role, then he's going to kill my character. Mm-hmm. And he is going to make me carry those consequences that this character not only dies, but I have to come back in with a level one character and start from scratch or whatever. And then also painful. And then all of a sudden it turns out I died to a poison that I was actually immune to this whole time. I think I would feel a lot more compelled Mm -hmm. to say, okay, for story's sake, I'll stick with the new character, but I want my levels back. Sure. Yeah. That's exactly what I would do in that situation is, you know, okay, it's better for the story because we've already got past it. That character's dead. But I'm not a level one character, bitch. Yeah. Why? Well, why be... And because it's John, I would say bitch. <laughs> well, why be fair when you can be passive aggressive? I would demand to be a first level character in this level 15 game. I'm the fucking boat anchor, man. <laughs> Just to keep... <laughs> drag my ass everywhere. And oh, I better not die. Because you'll hear it. You'll hear about it for weeks. Well, or even worse, and there's just a Pitfall Harry-style character dispenser where every time (laughs) you die, Mm -hmm. just another one of you drops out and keeps going. But, yeah, I think the Game Master would set some tone for me there. Sure. That if the Game Master was more cutthroat, I think in return I would feel more cutthroat. Mm -hmm. And the games I've been in where the Game Masters were a lot more harsh with the rules... 
you better believe I started paying a lot more attention to my plus ones and minus ones and the exact phrasing of spells. Mm. And, you know, they set a tone that I followed. I get so bored with that from a player perspective. You know, it's like you're dealing with a really harsh game master. And and again, we're not talking someone who's a jerk, just somebody who is, you know, they they run a pretty intense game They're as far as the rules, whatever, yeah. stricter game as far as the rules go and stuff. And then their interpretations, like you said, you, you start paying attention to the plus ones and, you know, it's like, oh, do I get a, this die or that die? Let's make sure we that's kosher in the rules. I just get so bored with it. It's just like, you know what? If the guy wants to screw me out of a plus two, let him. I will be magnanimous. I will give the game master his plus two. I didn't care. But <laughs> it's like, still, I would rather focus on the story. The thing is that those game masters who are super focused and bolted yeah. down, not all of them, but a lot of them, tend to the rules tend to take over more well but also story. if they are screwing me on the buttons and levers on my mm-hmm. character sheet your character is your end to the story mm. that's how i participate in the story and so if the game master starts using the rules or very strict and legalistic frameworks to control what i can and can't do in the story then i i'm going to chafe at that and mm. i'm also going to presupposing this isn't malice it's just their personality but i'm still gonna feel a lot more strongly about you cut me out of a part of the story you know and you held to that and you really i guess i see it as also a potential for a cycle too because they're being legalistic in a way that presses you down and so the response to it is and, and legitimately so is to match their legalism yeah which would their response would be, well, I really got to up my legalistic game, which means, <laughs> well, oh, yeah, I'm going to get some splat books and get online and we're going to. So maybe for, we should have a beer for maybe yeah. we should both have a beer and unpucker and kind of come to an understanding. And for example, you have a player that always does missed form and then you <laughs> blow them out the window. They're going to come back and try to figure out, okay, how can I protect against that? Mm-hmm. And it's just going to go back and forth. It is. I do enjoy. His passive aggressive for this campaign is Web. <laughs> oh my God! Because Web is an out of Web. Web is a very easily abused spell because it is awesome in every way. So Five. he started giving it to the enemies too. Well, well, their drow does make a certain amount of sense, but yeah. when you read Web, it's ridiculous. It is a ludicrous spell. It is a twenty-foot diameter, five feet deep web. Like not just single threaded lines it's yeah. like layers and layers and layers of webbing everywhere because it would take that much to make to stick because it's not right. giant like web threads it's like what a small spider web would be yeah there's just so much of it it's ludicrous it's such a fun spell it is well and unless they changed it in fifth it's also flammable oh yeah oh, yes that comes out so it's oh, yeah. it's a poor man's fireball in the making mm-hmm. it just takes two actions especially since one. like ray of fire fire hands or whatever it is is a cantrip yeah so it's, zap it. yeah it's web i every edition of dnd i can remember that i played in web was always one of those spells that yeah you got to have the right situation but if you have the right situation holy crap is that thing oh out of God. hand I, my favorite play was i had one of my characters cast web and they're like oh yeah because they did it you know danger close they they web mm. their own guys and they web some of the players and stuff Everybody's stuck in this gooey mass. The players make it out, but they're in a forest and they have a ranger and it's the ranger's forest, right? Like his family or her family owns the forest and they're like, okay, well, we're just going to light up the web. You're going to burn the forest down. (laughs) You can't like, okay, fine. They're stuck in there. Fine. We won't burn the forest down. We won't light the web up, which is our usual play. Let's go there and stab them. Well, I had actually read the rules. (laughs) Web's 20 feet in diameter. You can't walk through your own yeah. web. Yeah. yeah. You you uh you sure you want to go in there? You sure you sure you want to blow all your magic missiles to take these guys out? Yeah. Go go for it. Splort, splort, splort. <laughs> you know, it's electronic, not face to face. But talk about that kind of legalism. I just hit that in there's a game I'm dorking around with called Pathfinder Kingmaker. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that on uh Steam, yeah, it, it, at it. it reminds me a bit of Dragon Age Inquisition insofar as you have a party-based role-playing game and then you do kingdom-level management and things like that. And I'm actually enjoying it so far. 
But I hit this one spot where some enemy caster, and this happened to me two or three times in a row, threw down web. <laughs> and my entire party was stuck in it. Yeah. And I killed the enemy caster. Okay, so the combat's over. Everyone on their side's dead. My people are alive. And I tell my party of six, okay, walk away from the web. Four of them walk out. Mm-hmm. And two of them keep standing there of so-and-so attempts to break the web. <laughs> fails. Six seconds later, so-and-so attempts to break the web. <laughs> fails. Six seconds later, so-and-so attempts to break the web. Fail. It's like, oh, fucking come on. Can't you add some code so when the caster dies or the whole party, you know, you know I'm out of combat because you have the music changed and the animation of my characters putting their weapons away. Can't you have lingering effects disappear? Uh, It's ridiculous. But no, they make me sit through the entire, like, minute or two minute or three minute or whatever it is. Ten minute. It's an obscenely long amount of time, duration, until either... Finally, the web dissipates, or the character finally succeeds <laughs> at the role and steps out of it. And it's painful. It's really <laughs> painful. I really do feel like the game's creators owe me something for this. <laughs> they but should... they didn't mess up. No, yeah, they, they, they didn't, didn't screw anything up. up but yeah. this is passive-aggressive. Mm-hmm. You're just wasting my time, and I'm not even clear why, because I paid you money. <laughs> and I'm not paying you by the minute of gameplay. This right. isn't an MMO. So... Taking a knee and running down the clock on me is not going to make you more money. <laughs> is it flammable? You know, I actually have not attempted because every time I've hit this, is my character's in the web. Because <laughs> I would probably at that point be doing the math in my head. Can he survive the flame damage? Yeah. Just if he can't, I'm going to light it up to let him walk out, and yeah. then I'll heal him. Yeah, because that's usually what I end up doing is... Well, that or I try and make camp somewhere nearby to just run the clock down. <laughs> Can you so. make camp in the web? I haven't. Attempted. So the campfire, does it set the web on fire in the game? I've not attempted that yet. That's a good question. Yeah. But that's been one of my strategies for running down the web is rest for eight hours. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All the spell effects are gone. They've all run their course unless <laughs> they were like permanent debuffs or something. But yeah, I, anyways, going back to the point, though, I think it depends on the tone the game master sets and you're right that it will create a an escalation yeah and i i suppose as a player there's the right thing to do and then there's the human reality and the Mm -hmm. right thing to do is you de-escalate that you say okay the game master pinched me but i'm going to try to find accidentally accidentally and i'm going to try to find a way in good humor to deal with it or approach the game master and say, hey, this game is very cutthroat, but we're playing fair is fair. You hurt me here. Can you catch mm-hmm. me on the back end? You know, yeah. you killed my character, and I'm not going to make a scene about that. But since we both agreed it violated the rules, can you give me back my levels at least or something? Yeah. Give me a magic item. I don't know. Catch me somewhere on the back side of that. And I think most of the game masters I've played that are more legalistic but not assholes would do that. But I think that there's the human thing of, in the moment, you get agitated by that, you chafe under it, maybe you've been chafing under it, and the Game Master's not even trying to antagonize you, but it's just where your head is at. And when it occurs, you respond by escalating. Mm-hmm. And you respond by saying, well, no, you can't do that now, because if you're going to throw page 197, <laughs> paragraph 2, line 3 at me, then I'm going to throw this back at you, yeah. And, and it becomes a never-ending mm-hmm. cycle, and then the whole game is flavored from that. I mean, it's kind of like just, ugh. Yeah, like and that. this is why my solution to it, and I'm not saying this is the one way to do it, but my solution to this has always been, don't set that tone. Right. I mean, there's something Gandhi said, which it's my understanding is not quite an accurate quote. This is a paraphrasing, but it's a saying I've always liked, to be the change you want to see. Mm-hmm. If you want your game to be run a certain way or to be played a certain way, then set that tone and don't escalate that cycle. But once again, I think that's human nature Mm -hmm. to respond in kind. If somebody swings at you, whether you swing back or not, the thought of punching them is on your mind. Yeah. Well, and it's an outlook too. Like you see it as somebody taking a swing at you because you've had really, really fucking terrible game masters. Yeah. Wayne, on the other hand, his thing is let's make this work. It's not, he didn't see it as I'm taking a swing at him. It was something, a mistake that he makes in his games. Although I never catch him, And it's like, okay, let's, how, how can we make this work to keep this going? And so I think that's, that's good advice for the player is 
wait until this happens in your game. It's going to happen. It's gonna, it happens to everybody. Yeah. All game masters make mistakes. Wait till it happens to you, and then think about what your reaction is. Like, like, don't do anything, but think about, like, how do I feel? Do I feel like I've been slighted, or do I feel like, oh, you know, that game master tripped on banana peel, I'm going to help him up, sort of thing. Because both are valid. Both are legitimate human emotions, like you said. And how do you want to react to that? Do you want to react in the, okay, I got swiped at, I'm going to take a swipe back, or he fell on his face, I've fallen on my face, we're going to pick him up. And I hate to turn this into cognitive behavioral therapy, but I think you did just hit on something, which is, as a player, you need to be conscious of how you feel about the moment. And let me explain that so it doesn't sound too hippy-dippy or too... I don't think it sounds hippy-dippy at all. It it absolutely is correct. You're right in that in the games where I felt the biggest need to swing back, it was because I felt swung at. Yes. Now, I think something that I have to do now moving forward as a player is be cognizant of the fact that I have these learned responses that are not necessarily going to be appropriate to the situation. And I need to stop, take a deep breath and say, okay, why am I feeling this way? Or it could be something of my character is my only in to your plot and you just took that away from me you took right. away my ability to interact with the plot and so now i'm feeling cut out of the action or marginalized and i think this is not just important to managing my response but i think it's also important to creating remediation mm-hmm. because i might be able to go to you and say okay chad as a gm rule set x you did y this is wrong but that's not a solution no saying no. okay and, and in fact what you said you know, X, Y, Z, you're wrong. You are 100% correct. Psychologically, that puts a person on defensive standing. Oh, yeah. There's nothing wrong with what you said. There's nothing wrong with the approach. It's just kind of the reverse now. It's just like, Dan, you did something wrong, and I can prove it's wrong. What are you going to do about it? Well, I don't, was I wrong? I mean, yeah. come on, you know. Well, even if you both come to agreement that yeah. you're right, it still doesn't get you any closer to a solution. Yeah, exactly. Because... Look, the real issue is not the game master made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Yes, that happened, but that's kind of what got us into the situation. Yeah. It's not really the essence of situation. The essence of situation is the player is upset about something else. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to get down to what that is, because if in this case, let's say Wayne with his draconic or not draconic <laughs> thing. Draconic. Yeah, my guess <laughs> is going to be probably what Wayne, if he feels slighted, all right, and let's just pretend he does. I know you said as a game master you understand, and I believe that. Well, let's just pretend you did feel slighted. Knowing Wayne, my guess is Wayne's reason for being slighted is because he got cut out of a neat moment to shine in the plot. Well, I can still give that to you on the back end. Now that I understand that's what's bothering you, I can be like, well, okay, so now, as a result, the dragon is going to take a unique interest in you mm-hmm. and is going to start correcting your pronunciation of Dachronic and teaching you another dialect and is going to start telling you all these things about dragon history and dragon mysteries and dragon stuff. And so now I'm going to make your character shine because this dragon that you've met is just so tickled pink that you've taken an interest in a species that, to your knowledge, didn't even exist. And so she is just absolutely enamored with this. And so I can give you that shine, that spotlight on the back end. Whereas if you came to me and said, no, that's not the issue. Once I really dug down to it, I felt screwed out of an ability or I felt screwed out of my chance to have a certain impact. And I might go with the approach you suggested of, okay, maybe letting you swap languages and, uh, throwing you a ring of protection or something is a better way to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to like, we were just saying, what is Mm -hmm. the, why is the player upset? Not just that the player's upset. Say the player is upset. Why are they upset? What is, because you you can't fix it until you know what is going on. Right. And actually that would be from my perspective, what I know of you, if I had done that to you, which I did do it to you. If (laughs) (laughs) we'll just say, if I had done that to you, I, would think that the problem would be that you would keep it to yourself. You don't like going to people and saying, Hey, I've got this problem. Make it right. Yeah. I mean, that that's not you. I come with solutions. I don't come with problems. Typically. Right. Right. Well, and that, that the thing that I've noticed too, is that 
I don't think you'd come with a solution because you would keep it inside. That's the thing. I think a lot of times you would keep it inside. Unless, I could be wrong. Yeah, unless it was something that, if it's something where suddenly this character is unplayable to me. Yeah. Then I would say something. Or, but if it's just a minor annoyance, I would just keep it to myself. Or where you would come out like a tiger is if I had done it to someone else. If I had done it to another player, you would be on top of it. And I don't mean like kicking and screaming and throwing the table over, but you would be, it's like, all right, Chad, you did this wrong and this wrong. Here's the solution. What do you think of this? Or however you would, Mm. you would approach it. You'd approach more diplomatically than that, but that's how I would kind of see it. So I guess as again, more advice to a player is you really have to meter your response. If a game master does this, you can't be too forward. You can't be too aggressive. And, and it's, and suddenly it's a defensive sort of thing, but you can't keep it to yourself either. Yep. You well, have to tell them. And Dan talked about with his previous conditioning mm-hmm. and all. That's another important thing too. Is this a track record? Yeah. Even yes. if it's yes. an innocent mistake, does it happen in every game? Right. And is it the same mistake over and over again? Cause then the solution's pretty easy of, you know, the game master needs to stop screwing up. Yeah. But in that Game Master's defense, does the Game Master know he's screwing up? Has it been communicated to him? Well, is the Game Master trying? trying. Yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. but it, it may come down to it's just so bad that you need mm-hmm. to either ditch that Game Master or right. ditch that group. Yep. Track but, records has a lot for response. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the only thing that can make you lose a gaming is not having fun. Absolutely. And so if I feel cheated or if anyone feels mm-hmm. cheated, I think in addition to knowing why chad your point of metering the response is because you have to all be in agreement that what we are trying to do is reestablish the fun we're trying to get back to the fun and you made a mistake and that screwed me and now i feel something or other whether that's cheated or whether that's attacked or whatever Mm -hmm. because of that so now we have to find our way back to okay how do we reestablish the fun at the table as opposed to trying to win. And yeah, this yeah. is the case in any relationship. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't care if you're talking about games or friendships or marriage or work. If your goal is to win, mm-hmm. a, you've lost. You've already <laughs> lost. I mean, unless you just don't care and you're just trying to burn it all down. <laughs> well, but, along the track record line, I don't often give credit to people. I want to <laughs> give Chad a little credit on this. <gasps> Yay. When you look back at some of the previous criticisms mm-hmm. or constructive feedback or whatever you want to call it that Chad's been given as a GM. One of the things he's been given is that because he didn't take notes from session to session, NPC names change right. and that has hurt immersion. The last couple games Chad has run, he has notes. Mm-hmm. What is in the notes? The names of people. Yeah. He may have to glance real quick, but that's something he's got the criticism. He's taken mm-hmm. it. He's working to, to overcome that. And yeah. I got to give credit to that because I know you were a no notes GM and right. now you have the notes and you have the important notes, mm-hmm. at least for me, because <laughs> I was one of the people that the yeah. different NPC names hurt my immersion. Yeah. And I, I appreciate it. I am terrible with proper nouns. I am in games and real life and everything. I'm the guy who says, you know, oh, it's that movie that's called um, that and has the actor whose name is I don't remember, but I know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. It doesn't work in a, as a game master. It, it absolutely doesn't. It breaks immersion because when you have NPCs like that, people grow attachments to them, whether the attachment is hatred or love mm-hmm. or whatever. Your names are important. They yeah. they are your guidepost to the character. They are like, it isn't that elf. It's that elf Tosh. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. The bondage elf. Bondage elf. The crazy murdering bondage elf who... D- Dawn knocked the teeth out of. It was great. Named Tosh? Tosh. Named Tosh. That was the great play, right? Yeah, because he, no he's... one suspected he was a murderer because he's named Tosh. <laughs> no, no. He sounds like a total douchebag. Oh, he is. He oh, is. yeah. He My was. apologies to anyone listening to this name Tosh. I'm just being honest with you. Yeah. No, he's not nice. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds... He's helping the party now. But An elf named selfish. Tosh sounds like a douchebag. Mm-hmm. I'm just... Like, I would have suspected him of everything from the start. <laughs> yeah. And... So, yeah, I that, that would not have been a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. I think that part of this, too, is as a game master. So I know we've said we weren't going to give game master advice and we already have. And I'm going to give more is you, you really do have to know your players, especially if this is an ongoing sort of campaign, because 
you have to know what to deliver to them and what they like and what buttons to push and what buttons not to push. That also applies to making mistakes. You will make mistakes and it's okay. If you know your players, you know how to make good on your mistakes. I know Wayne and I know that he's run games before and he's really good at running games. And he has very vocally said that he helps game masters and he does. He's like my guy in the field, so to speak. And I lean on Wayne very, very heavily for this stuff. And so I knew like with the draconic thing that I could whip out an in-character little thing and then he would play off of it and it would be okay. And we'd keep swimming upstream. Whereas somebody else, that might not be cool. I wouldn't be able to just do an in-character quip, or if I did, it, it would be a mistake. It wouldn't play well. And I would have to stop, and I would have to say, okay, mea culpa, I'm, I messed up. This is what happened. How do we make this right? And I also want to say to people that, like, through this episode, we've been giving a lot of, like, psychology stuff, a lot of, you know, you know, we have to meet our response, and we have to do this, and then it's a relationship. It's not a fight. If you're always fighting, you both win, you know, all this stuff you got to do. In practice, these are literally just two second sentences. I mean, this is, it is as simple as you have draconic on your sheet, Dan. I f***ed up. I'm really sorry. How can I make this right? And then you'd say whatever you would say. Yeah. Boom. And we keep going. Yeah. So, okay. Totally understandable, mm-hmm. but it does bother me. So Absol- yeah. Can as I, it should. Can, is it okay with you then to keep this consistent can i just drop draconic and swap it for sylvan absolutely and you know next time we're in the forest i can speak to all the trees and flowers yeah absolutely (laughs) without first eating the mushrooms (laughs) and as a game master keep that in mind and then when he's in the forest talking to the trees and not eating the mushrooms have it be something special yeah give it no don't tell him don't make that part of a deal because this isn't a deal you're just making the story good cement the thing you did Submit the thing you did to make it right and maybe give it a little push. Just make it a little bit special. Give it a little spotlight to him and that ability. Like I did with Wayne. You know, because I, I gave him a coin. So, okay. To the god of gambling. <laughs> <laughs> One that is, that actually I kind of did recently. And I don't know per se it was a game master mistake. It was a judgment call that in retrospect, I second guess, mm-hmm. which is in the Skies of Glass game, revealing from the outset that. Brandon's character, Dr. Poe, right. has those three vials of medicine yeah. he's supposed to test on people. And that bothered Brandon. And it bothered Brandon. Yeah. When Brandon came to me and said, you know, I wish that had been handled as a side conversation or a note so it could be a reveal and not metagame and blah, blah, blah. It really did get me thinking of, okay, I know the other players here well enough to know they're not going to metagame this. But it bothers him, and therefore I have to accept that. You know, mm. I can't... Going back to all psychotherapy stuff, right. I have to accept that that's how he feels. And he's not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because it's not right or wrong. It's not winning. It's you have a player that legitimately has a, a problem. I would not say it's a giant flip a table over problem, but who has a problem and the fun is impacted. Yeah. So what do we do? And so what I've been doing thus far is at least trying to mitigate the original severity of what would have happened. Mm-hmm. Because here's how it works backwards in my mind. He's concerned it'll be metagamed. What happens if it's metagamed? Well, his character ends up paying a price that he shouldn't have otherwise paid. Because now somebody blows his head off over information that they should not have come to realize so, so easily. So easily. Yeah. And so what I've been trying to do, and I've not discussed this with him, is like, okay, well, the easiest way to mitigate his fear that somebody's going to blow his head off is start softening, you know, patting out the reason that somebody would have to blow his head off, that there are ways that this can be mitigated. There are things the group can do as a team to try and fix this. And things that I originally didn't intend to do but it was because of the fact that I realized that dropping the axe on the people that had received the doses was going to put him under pressure that he was about to get the axe from another character. Hmm. And so, once again, it was never discussed with him, but that was my read on the situation and how I tried to walk that back was, you know, what is it that's really bothering him, which he communicated. He's afraid of it being metagamed. 
So, okay, what can I do to rectify that? Well, let me reduce the reason anyone would even have to metagame that. Mm-hmm. It just it, the information's not unimportant, but it's less important than it was before. Yeah. Fixing the problem is now possible, and therefore fixing the problem becomes more important than placing the blame. And so now the scrambles to keep these characters alive as opposed to kill the person that killed them. Right. Yeah, you know, I was a little worried about that as well in that exact session because it was also the reveal that my character was tied with the zoo that the other players didn't know. Mm-hmm. In the first campaign, I think that would have been a bigger deal because that group was opposed to the zoo. Right. We had act- we'd actually killed one of their members right. and were in opposition to them. In this campaign, though, there's juniors talking to them. We've they're not immediately. These aren't the boogeymen. Yeah. For this party. Gil wanted to kill him, but that's because he didn't understand him. And that's right. Because he doesn't understand anything. <laughs> I had that moment of, oh, well, now everyone knows. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized with this party, that isn't a big deal like it would have been for the first party. Yeah. And and I, even in the case of this last session, he was willing to let that come out because mm-hmm. this party isn't diametrically opposed to them. Right. Yeah. And as a player, because he had expressed that openly, I don't really remember what my plan was. I'm not even sure I had a plan with my character. But when he expressed concern, I immediately started pushing down the gas on my character, blaming someone totally innocent. Someone who didn't have anything to do with it, but could, within the realm of possibility, maybe have a hand in something going on because it's weird. Someone who is mysterious and weird. Right, yeah. And so... I had my character completely deflect from Poe and totally blame Junior. Yeah. And another route you could have gone was to blame my character. Right. Because he had just joined the group. Yep. And now something weird is happening. I was trying to figure out how I could blame him. And I think that you missed one session. And so it didn't really cement in my mind. I could be wrong about that. There, there was a reason I didn't. I don't think he missed any. Yeah, I, I didn't the, miss no. any of them. Yeah, the, the one that I, I heard, it. I mean, it sounded exactly like him. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Yeah. The, the only session. <laughs> no, no. That the was, only session I oh, missed yeah, was Boone. Oh, uh, was Boone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You missed one as Boone and that was Boone. Yeah. Wayne. Maybe <laughs> I just couldn't. I couldn't figure out like. We gave oh, Wayne, Wayne the super Wayne. effete voice. Yeah. It yeah. wouldn't make any sense looking at my character, the way he's portrayed mm-hmm. for him to have done anything. Right. With like technology or anything like that. Yeah. So it. I could easily see not. It's just he was the new character, so it would be mm-hmm. an easy one to blame. Hmm. All right, well, I think that's where we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, check the show notes for links to the two shows on iHeartRadio, if that's your thing. If not, I don't know there's going to be anything else in the show notes. Well, I mean, there'll be show notes, but I don't know there'll be any links. But outside of that, you guys have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. See ya. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2018. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy network of shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.